Good morning, everyone. How you doing? Glad everybody is here. Hey, if you're here and you have not yet, or you have moved, or any kind of changes have made, been made in your life, hopefully changes being made, would you fill out this Connect card that is in the seat back in front of you? We would love to be able to make sure we're getting all the information we can to you, and, and you can stay up to date with everything that is going on at Thrive Community Church. A lot going on. You may feel like you're uninformed. Please fill this out. You will be informed. Good news? All right. You, everybody heard me? All right. Excellent. So fill that out for us. Hey, a couple of great things that are going on this summer. There are several great things, but uh, one great thing is uh, this thing that we're, we're putting together in what we're calling is our, our learning world, but we are developing a training, discipleship, leadership, all things development uh, web, uh, track, rather website. So it is going to be found in our hub, but for you, 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 want, you can actually find this in our events. You'll be able to be led there through our events, what's coming up, upcoming events in our, on our website, livewithpurpose.church. And then there's this seven practices of effective ministry. Now, you could put a workspace, you could put family, you could put anything in this space. For us as believers, everything we do is ministry. That's what we live for. So seven practices of effective ministry. And what we're going to do is we're going through, starting June 25th, going through week by week, a chat, these chapters in this book to help break down how you can become more effective anything, in anything that you do. So we're asking you to go online, get regist registered in. That's completely free. Uh, we have set it all up. It, we're basing this off of the book by Andy Stanley, Reggie Joyner, and Lane Jones. And I'm telling you, it is so practically easy. You're going to find a lot of gaps in whatever it is that you do, whether you're a business owner, whether you're, you're living life full-time ministry, part-time ministry, you're a parent. I'm telling you, this is going to help you with your parenting skills and even just relationship skills on how to relate to one another. If you're in a marriage, how you can execute vision in a marriage or how you can develop vision in a marriage. You need a vision for your marriage. And so uh, just go on uh, upcoming events and livewithpurpose.church. Also, what you can find is our Thrive Leadership School. So Thrive Leadership School is like an upper level of that. Uh, it's, a, it's not like a, a Thrive Tribe, a small group. This is an intensive where you will develop and learn how to be a leader, not just in the church, not just in the professional world, but a personal, like learn how to lead yourself well, and then understand how to lead others well, both in the world, professionally, any space that God's called you to, and ministry. And so this is a really exciting semester We've been breaking it down already in advance, getting it streamlined to, so that it's actually a, a better vehicle than what we've been able to provide the last two semesters, and I'm really excited about it. A lot of function, a lot of ha functioning, hands-on application uh, in ministry. So we have two terms. Both terms are eight weeks long, and so I'm inviting you to join, but you're going to have to do that by July 1st. You're going to have to apply by July 1st. So if the Holy Spirit is saying, hmm, I'm interested in that, uh, you're feeling you, you're interested in that, that's probably the Holy Spirit prompting you to take a next step. Because here we're all about next steps. We're here to develop people towards Christ in all things. We're loving you where you are and helping you become all Christ created you to be. All right? So that's, our, that's our, everything that we do here. We're getting the lost saved. Saved, pastored, pastor trained, trained, mobilized. When you walk in this room, 
we see that you are ready to be mobilized and we put you on a track in order to be mobilized. Are you good? Is the church awake this morning? All right, that's what I'm talking about. Here we go. Well, we've been in our series called The Silver Lining Playbook. And you may be asking, what is that? Well, some of the graphic may help you understand because throughout your day, you may be happy, and then all of a sudden you're grumpy, and then all of a sudden you're crying. Sorry. Oops. Oh, oh. I'm learning. I'm learning how to control this thing. I don't think it... Hey, there you go. You're right. Come on. There we go. Now you're... Who was that that said those dishonoring words? Oh, <laughs> remember, I've got the platform and the mic. All right. <laughs> so then you're like, oh, and then you're like, oh, Janice is feeling like this right now. And you're like, oh, and I was like, oh, and then everybody else is like, ah, and they're like, whoo. So that may be how you feel in a day. Like this is, this is Monday. <laughs> and then Tuesday, three, Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, it's just how until we start to learn some basic principles on how do I get through life in every season, in every high and every low, and honoring God, we're learning, as Paul said, how to be abased and how to be abound. My situations don't decide who I am. That's what we've been talking about. And we started with prayer, and we broke down some really applicable, simple but applicable principles on prayer and if we'll just do the very things that God has ordained for us to do in this practice principle and we can leave it at the foot of cross foot of Jesus and we walk away knowing we've been in prayer and handed it over to God relinquish control and relying on him we walk away with gentleness and now the world can see we are people of prayer we are people under God's authority under his lordship then we go into rejoicing so we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And we talked about joy, Jesus, others, and then yourself. Grumbling always happens when you're more important than Jesus and others. When it's woe is me and it's all about me and I'm self-thinking, self-thoughts, and all my, self, my thoughts are about me, I'm always going to find something wrong with me and I'm not going to be able to really carry the heart of Jesus into any situation and I'm sure not going to care about others. It's like, why Joe? Why Joe? Why Che? Oh. It doesn't make any sense. Joy, Jesus, others, yourself. And then we go and we're, we're praising. We're, we're rejoicing. Thank you, God. We start to praise God. Thank you, Lord, for this situation. Thank you for this person in my life. Thank you for what you're doing. Lord, I thank you for what, why you've brought them into my life. I thank you for the situation that you're using to grow me in this space. Lord, I pray that you use this. I pray that you grow my character, grow my understanding, grow my understanding of this individual and what they may have gone through, what they're going through, what, they're, what they are, have been faced with. When you start to thank God for those, revelation starts to take place. You, your mind, you, you actually start to open up to receive from the Lord. And no longer are you all bound up to your own hurts and own situation and your own perspective. And now you can open up and receive from the Lord. So I enter his gates with thanksgiving. And then I start to praise him. We talked about seven words in the Hebrew that really equated to one word. Uh, one, yes, one word in our, in our language. Praise seven different ways. And when we apply that, we enter his gates with thanksgiving. We enter his courts with praise. But then there's one more thing that has to take place as we begin to pass through the veil that Jesus tore. But there's this, there's this way that he made. And there's one thing that has to be added 
in order for us to truly receive, which is the next step, receiving from God. And men are built around this thing. This is the number one need for all men. And this is the number one desire for God. Amen. And that thing is honor. That's true. And courts with, with thanksgiving. His, ga- his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. But I can't get into his presence unless I honor him. Because he will be nowhere near pride. And before honor comes humility. Therefore, pride and humility can't coexist and we be able to honor God. And so I'm going to break down to you all the ways that God says that he will be honored if you want to be honored. Because he honors those who, who honors him. So we enter his gates with thanksgiving, of course, with praise, and then his presence with honor. And I really, as sons and daughters, I think we need to have a heart to restoring honor. Because in, the, in, in this world and culture and generation, the enemy has all but destroyed the power of honor and the rewards that come along with it. There's dishonor everywhere. There's a lack of honor in every space where you look, you will see and sense and find. And once you start to understand the attributes and the fruit of dishonor, you'll start, you're, you'll start to be able to recognize how much of a lack of honor there is in this world in general. Honor carries with it a great rewards. Rewards God desires for you to have and for me to have. There's great rewards for those who honor the way God says that we should honor. And I want to encourage you because you may want to go a little bit deeper than I can go today. I learned this about 10, 12 years ago, and I went through with my pastor and another friend. We were kind of discipling each other, went through this book called An Honor's Reward. Uh, the, the author is one of my favorite authors. His name is John Brevere. And I'm telling you, when I read this and we started breaking this thing down, it changed the way I understood God and how I understood my relationships with all mankind is really a reflection of how I revere God. The same author has this wonderful book. You may have read it before. It's called The Bait of Satan. Anybody read The Bait of Satan? Anybody ever walked through unfor- dealing with unforgiveness or rejection or any kind of issues with other people? This is a book for you. If you want this, I'm giving them away at the end of service when prayer time comes. I want to give you another one that's kind of coupled with it from a different, different author, a book that saved my life about 20 years ago. It's called Codependent No More by Melody Beatty. Here's a book if you've ever dealt with rejection. If you've ever, like, you, somebody else had a bad day in your life and you had a bad day because they had a bad day, this is a book for you. Or because you're having a bad day, you think everybody else should have a bad day, this is a book for you. Or... Someone else can't be happy, and if you're not happy, this is a book for you. Or somebody else can't go through something without you feeling like you need to go through the same thing. Or somebody else can't go somewhere without you feeling like you have to be there with them. So this, this is a book for everybody. There you go. There's two of them free for you at the end of service. So anyway, don't miss out on your blessing right there. So John, 2 John, 2 John 8 says this, look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. I'm telling you, there's a full reward in store for us that God has laid out for us already, but there's some efforts that must be made so that we don't lose the very progression that we've already made with Christ so that we don't lose it. We've got to keep the fight 
going. Christianity is not a sprint, but it's an endurance run. It's a long-term thing. It's a long-term pace. It's a long-term trial and effort. It's continuing through every issue that would cause us to be in unforgiveness, in rejection, in hurt, in pain, in doubt, in dishonor, in disdain. Every space is running the race adhering to the Word of God. This is what he's talking about. And so we all have these life-defining moments. And a life-defining moment is when I come to a situation in life and I have a moment where I'm going to decide, am I going to apply the Word of God or godly counsel in this situation, or am I going to choose to do what I feel, what I think is right, or my soul feels most pleasing or self-preserving? Those are life-defining moments. And based on the decision I make, it will produce a cycle in my life that will then continually produce the fruit of what I decide, decided in that life-defining moment. So if I choose godly counsel and I apply godly counsel even beyond what my soul wants to do, my flesh wants to do, and I see the work of God in and through that decision, it's going to cause me to make, create a cycle in my life that will be easier for me to next time listen to godly counsel. However, if I hear godly counsel and I choose to do my own way anyway and I have to deal with the effects of it, all the negative branches of it, all the hurts and the wounds, and I need to go read that book over there, and, and I have to, I come back around, it's going to be harder for me to listen to godly counsel because I've already regretted the fact that I didn't listen to godly counsel and now I must put myself on a cycle of figuring it out on my own. Every season has a life-defining moment. Every issue, circumstance, trial has a life-defining moment. You get to decide how you will handle situations in life-defining moments, which will dictate how the next season of your life lives out. It's really good news. So we don't want to merely obey God. We want to catch his heart. God, what is your heart in this situation? What are you saying in this situation? And as we do catch his heart, we'll catch the wisdom behind his decrees, his statutes. And we'll learn that these aren't a bunch of laws, but it's actually a method and a pathway and a rhythm that God has designed and desired for his children to live out so that he can prepare them for the blessings he has. The most simple way to not lose what we've labored, labored for, as John said, is to develop patterns of consistently honoring God's counsel. Each and every day we're presented with these opportunities, and each and every day we have a moment to decide, am I going to apply God's word? Am I going to apply his evidence? Am I going to apply his testimony? Am I going to apply the wisdom that he's provided through his people? Or am I going to do it my own way? And your heart will be desensitized or sensitized based on what, you're going to, what your decision is. So the more I listen to the Lord, the more sensitive I become to his spirit and his presence. The less I listen to the Lord, the, more, the harder it is to hear him and the more I'm out there just doing my own will in my own way. It gets harder. The, covering, he needs, the, the consequences is he's trying to bring us back under his covering. So then we do it his way and we find that we find benefit, we find favor, we find the blessing. So he's trying to create healthy cycles in our lives. And so 1 Timothy 4.8 says this, For bodily exercise profits a little, but godly, godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Proverbs 11.31 
says this, if the righteous will be recompensed on, on earth, meaning the, the emphasis is the righteous will be, it talks about the wicked after this, the emphasis is the righteous will be recompensed on earth. Like, you don't have to wait till heaven to be paid back in value and blessing. That will take place because of your righteousness and your right, your right living here on earth. That's a benefit. Here's another benefit. Proverbs 13, 21 says, Evil pursues sinners, but to the righteous, good shall be repaid. Proverbs 28, 20 says, A faithful man will abound with blessings. So there's favor, there's reward, and there's blessings with those who are honoring God, his principles, his path, and living his way. Thank you, Lord. I'm praising you, but I've got to carry honor if I'm really going to receive the, everything that God has for me. The silver lining to be lived out in my life is going to have to be accomplished through honor. This is a, tri- this is a fourfold piece Next week, I'm going to talk to you about the, th- the fourth principle. Again, prayer first. It's pray, it's rejoicing second, and then it's honor in his presence. It's honoring him and honoring his way. But let's look at this, where Jesus shows up, and he provides an opportunity for the people to honor, and he provides a blessing for people, but they refuse to receive it. Look at Mark 6, 2, and 4. It says, and when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is, that, is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? He's doing great things. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? Like, now they're starting to see, you're just a carpenter. And are not his sisters here with us? So they were, they were offended. Like they go from seeing miracles and now they're offended by him because he's just a plain, ordinary human being. Next. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country among his own relatives and in his own house. Because they knew the human of Jesus, they missed the reward flowing through Jesus. Boy, I can't, even, I can't say anything more simple than that. Because you know the human that you may be communicating with, you likely are missing the blessing that God is flowing through that human for your life because you see them as simple and, no, and natural and normal. But there is a principle that is at, when activated, you receive great reward from the people who God has put in your presence so that he can actually bless you. And the, the gap in that is the test of your heart to see if you'll honor him by honoring them. Whoever it is. Luke 4, when Jesus starts to show up on the scene, these are the five ministries of Jesus that he's proclaiming, self-proclaiming. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the, heal the brokenhearted, he, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. This is to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This is a This is a process that Jesus takes us all through. We get saved, our spirit is saved, but our soul is tethered to that thing, and our soul is about as devilish as it can be. 
That's the process of sanctification. I'm sanctified, I'm being sanctified, and one day when Jesus returns, I'll be fully sanctified. And in that process here on earth, my soul is learning how to honor his ways, his will, his word, and live out life according to him. And my spirit desires it, but my soul defends it. Like it's completely defensive against it until it's, it gets sanctified in area after area after area. That's why, these, that's why the five ministries of Jesus are so important for our lives. It's one, it's a continual, and it's a continual in the next. It's a continual, and it's a continual in the next. And it's a continual, and it's a continual in the next. And he's constantly sanctifying us. There is no one person that is fully sanctified. There is still sin that it resides within you. Then they clo- he closed the book. And gave it back to the attendant. Like he's, he walks into the synagogue, and if you go to Israel with me next year, you'll see how small these synagogues are. And there's a little podium there where they have the scrolls. It's actually the scrolls, and it says the book, but it really is scrolls. And he opens this place in Isaiah that points specifically to him. So he lays down the scroll, and he gives it back to the attendant, and set, he set down, Jesus sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And when you see this little room, you can only imagine Jesus walking in. He, he, he reads this. He opens the scroll, gives it back to the attendant, and he goes back over in the side, and he just sits there. Everybody's dumbfounded. Like, what just took place? And here's what he says next. He says, and he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He just tested every heart in that room. God will often send us what we need in a package we don't want. God's always like, let me see how your heart really is towards me. Let me give you a package that you don't want to see how you respond to that thing because that's how you respond to that thing is really how you respond to me. And I want to know how much of my heart you have. So what is honor? Honor is valuing. It's holding in high esteem. It's, it's seeing something as very favorable, um, very, very expensive. In the Greek, if you were talking to a Greek person, the Greek word actually here, time, it's not time, it's time, but time is valuable. Actually, the most valuable commodity we have, which is inter- interesting, but it's valuable. It's, you, know, you don't put something like gold in a junk drawer. No, you find a place of high esteem for it, maybe a safe, and you place it, you put the little code in so that nobody else can get it, you open that, and you put it inside of that, that place. You, you, you hold it with high esteem. You keep it very protected. Uh, to dishonor, estimia, this word is, I hold it in low esteem, I disdain. It's not very valuable. It's, it's normal. It's regular. It's casual. I'm used to it, so it's very informal in my, in my thinking, my heart towards it is just, huh, I can do with it or I can do without it. I'm hoping I'm starting to bring some revelation to some things because God says honor, but when we dishonor, here's what we were calling it casual and normal, and it doesn't have much value in my life. Honor can be displayed in action, word, or even thought, but all true honor originates from the heart. So it's not just about what you see. It's not just about what I do. It's not, it, it's not just what I, what, I, what, I, what I feel, but it's my thoughts. It's the things that I think about that I, I try to overcome in my actions. It's the way I see as casual, but I want to hold in high esteem in my behaviors. 
It's the grumbling. This dishonors the grumblings in my thoughts towards you, but I want to overcome that by doing something for you. This is why God says, Isaiah 29, 13, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me. And boy, this is where religion starts to set in. We started so good on a relationship, somewhere it went towards religion. Your marriage may have started so much towards a relationship, somewhere it went towards contract. Our friendship started so much towards relationship, somewhere it just turned into mm, responsibility. But when honor is there, it maintains all the fruitfulness of that the relationship started on and was built on and how the, merge, the merging of one another is melted and molded together. It's forged. Notice God says this. True honor is an outflow from a heart that fears God. What I didn't show you was the back part of that. And their fear towards me is taught by the commandments of men. Again, that's where it turns into religion. And God didn't, isn't looking for someone to fear in a, I'm scared, but a revere in I honor. One causes me to draw away, the other one tells, causes me to, to plunge forward. I revere you, so I'm pressing into you because I honor you so much. I fear you, so I'm running away from you, and I'm setting up laws so that I can say that I'm doing good enough to, re, to deserve you. The laws and the commandments say I can check a box to get to you. Reverence and honor says I don't need anything but you. <laughs> we got it, Max. There it is. It landed. Let's talk about where there's no honor, there's no reward. Later, after Jesus' self-proclamation, some men brought a paralyzed man into, into the room, actually through the roof. And Jesus says this. Uh, sorry, this would happen. Luke 5, 20 says, when, they, when he saw their faith, he said to them, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason. You ever seen something happen or seen somebody, God do something through somebody or God is doing something in somebody and then you start to reason in your heart or in your thoughts against that somebody? Could be anybody. God's blessing somebody, and, and instead of getting in line with what God is doing and starting to bless what God is doing, there's a reasoning within yourself about that individual. Uh, Luke writes it this Luke writes it in another uh, sorry, Ma Matthew writes it another way. And at once, some of the scribes said within themselves, mm-hmm, yeah, that's just Joseph. That's, I mean, that's just Jesus, son of Joseph. I know who that is. Who does he think he is going around doing those things? I'm sure it's some kind of trickery. He doesn't know the law like I know the law. Disdain, dishonor, they didn't honor him. Mark, Mark 2 and 6 and 8 says this, And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? This is what I love about Jesus. He's always pointing into our heart and trying to extract things out of our heart, trying to reveal what needs to be extracted in our hearts. This, this is his greatest desire. I just, want to, I just want to point at this in your heart so that you can be aware of that, so that you can bring that to me, and so you can align that part of your heart up with me. And then he goes to another part, and then another part, and then another part, and then another part, and the only way it's going to work is if you have honor. 
The only way you're going to benefit and grow and be blessed by that is if you have honor. He's identifying and he's trying to put honor in that, in that place, but it's a response. It's a required response. And they received no reward because they dishonored Jesus merely by the way, way of thought. Oh, get this. It wasn't their actions nor their words, but their unvoiced thoughts. And remember, uh, honor and dishonor can be displayed in deed, word, or thought. So I can do something, I can say something, or I can just all out think something. But all true honor originates from the heart. So the people of Nazareth withheld honor and received a small or partial reward because some of them got healed. But then when they started to realize and reason within themselves and think within themselves, the healing went away. The power of God was there to heal, but few got healed because of their lack of honor. See, the power of God to bring freedom into your life is present, but sometimes the honor of what God can do keeps us in bondage. 1 Samuel 2.30 says this, For those who honor me, I'll honor, and those who despise me, shall be lightly esteemed. Let me just tell you, that's a lot more kind than it actually is. Uh, Honor is an essential key to receiving from heaven. So I've got to have honor in my heart towards the principles and the ways and the directives of God in order for me to receive from heaven. In In the NIV, it says this word instead of, going backwards, instead of lightly esteemed, it actually says disdained, which, which means God will not even recognize your needs nor your prayers if you're not honoring him. And, I'm, and this, this package of honoring him is huge. I'm about to break it down after a while. So, so here's what we can say. With, for a lack of honor, my needs aren't being met and my prayers aren't being, aren't being answered. So if I'm running into an area of life or an issue, my needs are not being met by you, God. I don't know what's wrong with you, God. I don't know why you're allowing this, God. Or my prayers are not being met or responded to that I'm coming to him with. It may be a sign that there's a lack of honor in your heart towards some principle that God has said, I want you to honor. You're going to find the silver lining when you start to honor prayer and your praising and then you honor the fullness of God's word. You will find a silver lining in every situation of your life. You will see the blessings behind the burden. You will see the fruitfulness behind the tears. You will see it, but it's a response of you by obedience and discipline for you to actually appropriate your faith in that area to make it happen. And a checkbox can't do it. So the week Jesus was crucified, he made this profound statement in regard to how his ministry would continue even after, the, after his departure. Luke 13, 35 says, I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In other words, you'll not recognize me. You won't even see me functioning in your life until you say, blessed is he who you have sent, Lord. Mm-hmm. Matthew 10, 40, 42 says, He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward, meaning he will get it. 
Let me say it this way. Let me, let me replace receive with honor and give with honor so that you can understand this doesn't change the meaning because when you receive something well, according to the Lord, you're honoring it. So he who honors you honors me. Well, that's enough said right there, isn't it? That just changed all my relationships. They honor you, and if you honor them, you're both honoring Jesus. When Jesus says something like this, the reverse is true, too. When they dishonor you, they're dishonoring Jesus. When you dishonor them, you're dishonoring Jesus. And he who, who honors me honors him who sends me, sent me, and he who honors a prophet in the name of a prophet shall, re, shall receive honor, shall be given honor, provided honor of a prophet's reward. And he who, re, who honors a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall be honored with a righteous man's reward. And whoever honors one of these little ones, you get it. Honor is a key to capturing the heart and the blessings of God. Remember the centurion, the Roman centurion. This is a, this is a Gentile. This is absolutely uh, off limits against the law for Jesus to even talk with. And this, this uh, Roman centurion comes to Jesus and he says, Hey, I have a servant. He's about to die. I need your help. Can you, can you come? And Jesus says, and here's what he says. Actually, centurion says, I don't want you to come under my house because I'm unworthy. Can you just send the blessing? He says, but only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. He, and then he says, for I, I also am a man under authority. This is the Roman centurion having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and this one, and, and he goes, and to another, come, and this one, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to th those who followed, assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in the people of Israel. That's a profound statement right there. While faith does come by hearing and hearing by the word of God, it must be coupled with honor in order to be activated. You can say something all day long by faith or for faith, but until you have honor into the fullness of what God decrees, it can't be activated. I've heard, but if I don't honor... There's no faith to, make the, to pay, make the word come into activation because I really, it's more of a do it for me and I'll be happy. Make this situation turn out to my benefit and I'll be glad. But God says, no, you honor me and let it bear fruit in your own heart. Then that thing will come to fruition. For every situation you will go through in life, personally and with others, Seeking growth, seeking the silver lining, you, it will require a response of prayer, rejoicing, and honoring by faith the power and the ability for the applied word of God to change any and every situation. There's a situation, Lord, I thank you. I come into prayer. I hand the outcome over to you. 
I praise you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for this individual, this situation, this circumstance, my finances, my, my trial, my shortcoming, my pains in my body. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. And then I come and I'm honoring his word. I'm finding verses. I'm aligning my heart with his heart. I'm decreeing his word over the situation. And I'm watching him, as I'm honoring him, I'm watching him work out the situation for everyone's behalf. That's honor. Remember the Syrophoenician woman, I don't have time to bring that up, where she came to the foot of Jesus saying, hey, can I just have some crumbs? Can I just have some favor? Would you remove the demon from my daughter? What did, he, what did Jesus say to him? Her. But because of her consistency, her endurance, and her petitions, he blessed her. So let's talk about the flow of honor. What does Jesus say? What does God say about the flow of honor? Well, Romans 13, 1, he, he clearly says to honor, this is Paul writing, honor all authority that is in, on the earth. That God, has, God has designed and put into place and delegated authority through those entities. And he said, when you resist the authority, you're actually fighting with God. You're not resisting the person, you're resisting God. And he's talking about, like, he's talking about uh, government leaders in this space. He's talking about Nero, specifically in the clan of Nero. This dude was burning Christians. And Paul says, honor him. Could you imagine that happened in 2023 in the words that would be coming out of Americans' mouth if that took place? Godly, um, godly Americans. I think we're starting to see where honor is lacking in this world right now. Then he says, Romans 13, 7, right after that, render therefore to all due taxes, you know, those, those property taxes that they keep raising, good Lord, to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom reverence to whom fear, or to reverence, and honor to whom honor. So anybody who's, who should be give, given honor, honor them. Well, who's that? It's our civil leaders, but it's also, 1 Timothy 6, 1 says, let as many bondservants these are employees now. Now I'm an employee and, and out towards my boss or, or my boss's boss and, or the CEO or, or whoever it is. The bondservants, as are under the yoke, count their own masters worthy of all honor so that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. So you're saying, Lord, whenever I, bla when I, whenever I dishonor my employer, I'm actually blaspheming your word? Yes. That's what it says. Does anybody go around? I'm a blasphemer. Blasphemer on my chest. Like, no shirts, monogram blasphemer across the chest, but yet there's dishonor in the heart behind the shirt. Mm. Social leaders. Ephesians 6, 2 and 3, honor your father and mother. Our domestic leaders. Like, every father and mother is like, amen. You, you better believe it. In fact, I don't discipline my children unless it's about a situation of honor and respect, dishonor and disrespect. Everything else derives out of that. But if we can center right here and just hone in to the dishonor and the disrespect, all the other stuff goes away. Did you hear me? Yes. It all starts in this little space of dishonor and disrespect, and that's the heart of God. Start it when they're young so that, so that I don't have to deal with them so harshly when they get older. And there's a promise connected to it, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. I want life to be well. He's saying there's a reward for honor. And you will live a long life 
when you choose honor in your heart. Those are our domestic leaders. 1 Corinthians 1.19, circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing, but keeping the commandments of God is what matters. This is what matters above everything. Doesn't matter about your law. It just matters that you're keeping the commandments of God to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. Do you see Jesus, others, and then you right there embedded in the greatest commandment ever? And yet we still want to flip it. 1 John 2 and 4 says, He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments, Scripture says is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Boy, God drives the bucket on honor. So we cannot, we cannot blame our bad behavior on someone else's poor behavior. Like my reaction is never the, 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 the cause of what you did. It's a cause of having dishonor in my heart towards God, and therefore I dishonor you. Hebrews 13, 17 Obey and those who rule over you and submissive for they be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them let them do so with joy and not grief. For that there is a reward. If it's if if they can't have joy and it causes them grief, it doesn't profit you, meaning God can't bless you if there's not honor towards leaders. But if I choose to honor leadership because I'm honoring God. There's a great profit from God that begins to flow into my life. It's a principle I learned when I read this book. And man, it has bore good fruit in my life ever since I started to apply the simple principle of honor. My honor is not based on their behavior. When my honor is based on their behavior, I probably need to pick up this book. Spiritual leadership. So then 1 Timothy 5, 17, let the elders who rule well be counted worth of, worthy of double honor. And by the way, that's a financial word, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. This is talking about leadership who are overseeing the word, the delivery of the word, and the doctrine to, to deliver to you. Honor them. How about honoring one another? Matthew 10, 41. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. When we start to receive one another with honor, guess what? God starts to work in that situation and starts to bless you through the honor that you're giving that individual because you're really just giving it to God. Man, men thrive on this. And women are safe within this space. Number one need for man is honor. Number one need for a woman is, a, is security. When a man feels dishonored, the woman feels insecure. When the woman feels insecure, the man will feel dishonored. Can't you see the work of the enemy in this space of honor? Matthew 25, 40. Assuredly, I say to you, and as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. That's honoring those who are in your care. 1 Peter 3, 1. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husband. It's easy for wives to submit to another man's husband and kind to another man's husband because they don't know the problems with that husband, but they know the problems with their own husband, right? And every woman said yes and amen. Amen. 
And the blankest face you try to have just screams out, yes, I agree with you, Pastor. That's why he wrote that. But then here's what he says with your disdain. He says that even some men, he's talking about men, some husbands who do not obey the word, they will. Without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. This is why when I relinquish control, I rely on God, and I start to honor the ways of God, God starts to work, and he finally starts to set my husband free. Do you know when a child gets saved, it's a 3.5% chance the whole family gets saved. When the mother gets saved, it's a 17% chance the whole family gets saved. But when the father gets saved, it's a 93% chance the whole family gets saved. Wouldn't it be worth honoring God to see my family changed? And as husbands, 1 Peter 3, 7 Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding. Man, I don't understand her. He's not saying understand her. He's saying be understanding towards her. Baby, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't quite understand, but I understand you're going through something. I'm here for you. That's what he's saying. Be with understanding. Give honor to the wife as the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers, you see it again? I don't know why he's not answering my prayers. My needs aren't being met. I don't know why we keep struggling so much. Well, it points to an issue. First Peter 2.17 says, honor all people. Like, there's no gap for dishonor and disdain. Like, God is blessing you with this package, no matter what the package is, so that you you can see what's in your heart, so that you can bring it to him, and you can start to put honor in that space, and then he can bless you. Honor is this. The Lord gave me this like 2 a.m. about two weeks ago. I woke up, and I could not sleep, and I had to go write it down so I could finally go back to sleep. Honor, highly esteems is open to new perspectives. See, they weren't open to Jesus' perspective whenever the carpenter walked in and healed people. Mm Mm-mm. They reasoned within themselves and they brought themselves back to their own bondage. Never interrupts. It's not sitting there thinking about what it can say. It's listening for understanding. It offers assistance. How can I be a blessing? How can I serve you, Lord? How can I serve according to your way? How can I serve how you say? How can I serve? How can I serve? How can I serve? What's the need? How can I help? Responds with humility. Notice it doesn't say, it does what you say, but then it grumbles within its heart. <laughs> it responds with humility because Proverbs fifteen thirty three says, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. And lastly, the Lord. Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions. I didn't write this, by the way. A pastor didn't come up with this. And with all the first fruits, the first, and with the first fruits of all your increase. You're saying when I don't, I don't 
tithe and bring in offerings, I, I'm dishonoring the Lord. No, I'm not. He is. And there's, there's a mission that he's called us all to, com- to, to complete. There's things within men and women and children that God puts inside of us to fulfill. Ephesians 2.10, where his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for the good work which he created beforehand. And when God starts to assemble people in a gathering, he puts them on mission together. And there's things that must take place in order to fulfill the mission and to be a blessing to the outside world as the inside world is, be- is benefiting. Are you with me? So when God says to honor, he brings all these parameters to test our heart because he's trying to set a culture of honor so that he can bring lost and hurting people into a world that's going to receive them, love them, bless them, and trust him that he's going to, in return, bless them. That's why when we honor God, he he blesses, he honors us. And I'm telling you, 100% of the time, he reimburses your faithfulness. Sometimes it may not look financial up front, but when God starts to heal you emotionally in an area of your life because of your faithfulness over here, he can't help but to fall into blessings and those begin to turn into, with wise decisions, godly counsel, honoring the fullness of God's word, can't help but to turn into financial benefit at some point. But to get, give to get is not the purpose. To give out of obedience because I'm honoring God. And I know Barak that no matter what and what I've done, when I come into his presence, he blesses me, and that's what keeps tequila on my lips. Can I get a good amen? amen. All right, let's stand up. I want to I I bless you with prayer. And again, for every man, every, every man in this room, you're a leader. You're an example to somebody because there's a lack of fathers in this world. And so just being a man, people look to you. Right through the connect room right here where you see is turning into our Go Team Central. There we have a gift for you, and you can also see the larger plans of this building. But Father, I just thank you so much for every person in this room. And I pray that you give revelation of honor. I pray that honor is, is increased in this house and in this city, in this town. I pray that lives are changed and people start to see the fullness of your word and not the chosen, chosen bites. So Holy Spirit, I just ask that you speak, that you give revelation, and that you penetrate hearts and areas and torment and trial and and wounds and hurts, Lord, and you provide an opportunity for honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.